guys? We're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and I am pumped for today's guest for a couple of reasons. One, we just spent the last 30 minutes talking about scotch. We'll get to that. <laughs> but two, I've had the chance to spend some time with this guy here in Naples. We played some golf together. This guy has played all over the world. Like, to give you an idea, just a couple of weeks ago, he got back from Scotland. So I'm just saying, this guy has traveled <laughs> all over the place. This episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play is presented by Eat Sleep Golf. If you haven't subscribed, to the YouTube channel, click down below, subscribe. So every Wednesday you get this episode right to your inbox. It comes out every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Google Play, make sure you do that as well. This episode of the hashtag Wednesday Match Play will be on iTunes, it'll be on Google Play, it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, Instagram, you name it. You don't have to look hard to find this episode. And the, the, this is continuing. Like I've got my, I'm going to call it now. It's my uniform. I've got the Golf Radio Network uniform on. This episode of the hashtag Wednesday Match Play, as well as all prior episodes, is a part of the Golf Radio Network. It's a syndicated network of shows, including Private Club Radio and a laundry list of other shows that are a syndicated podcast network. So just go to Google.com, search Golf Radio Network, and you'll find all of this great content. Gabriel Aloisi is a big part of that, and he is why. This show is on that network. So tonight's episode is going to be fun because we're going to talk about golf. We're going to talk about travel. We're going to talk about scotch. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. <laughs> I don't have, I have vodka in my glass right now. Like, I don't have scotch. <laughs> like, I've drank all the scotch in the room. But Graylin Loomis is with us from Lynx Magazine. And I've known Graylin long, long before I met him. I've known him online, Twitter and Facebook, you name it. And Lynx Magazine is who he is with us. From and I had the chance and the honor to meet him at Tiburon here. May, God, I feel like it's been forever. It was a year ago, December, right? Like it's been yep. forever. Yep, and he was he was in Naples for a fam trip. We'll talk a little bit more about what a fam trip means. His time in Naples, all of the courses he's played, his time overseas, his time in Scotland at the home of golf. So, Graylon, welcome to the hashtag Wednesday Match Play. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Ricky. It's great to be on the show. Um, I, I, I follow it. I, I watch, and um, it's uh, it's funny to be uh, <laughs> in the seat now. But I'm looking forward to talking about everything. We share a lot of interests. Um, you know, golf being the the primary one, but you know, scotch, and we share music interests and everything. So it's uh, it was good to catch up before this, and and I'm sure it'll be a good show. So. Give us an overview of what you do. So you work for Lynx Magazine. Lynx Magazine is is a very well-done publication. And it's a magazine. So I was in the true corporate office before I came to Tiburon. I knew the magazine. I knew what you did, the, the people you worked with. One of your editors is probably one of the best golf writers I've ever met. You are a fantastic writer in terms of an experience perspective. So give us an overview of Thank what that magazine is, the history of the magazine, and what kind of your role is with that magazine. Yeah. So Lynx Magazine um, is 30 years old this year. Um, so uh, it, it has been going on long before I've been involved. I've only been at Lynx about three years, um, but I work on the editorial team. Um, but as with all small businesses, um, we all do a lot of different things. So um, you know, I, I write, I edit, I do a lot of work on our website. Um, you know, I no longer manage our social media. We've got another guy on the team who does that. But at one point I did our social media stuff. Um, but my primary role is writing and edit for all of our 
uh, kind of channels. The print magazine, we have a digital magazine called Lynx Digital, and then our website. So they, those are our three main uh, channels. And I write everything from kind of uh, shorter form content uh, to big features. But Lynx primarily focuses on golf travel, um, uh, course architecture, um, some real estate, and a little bit of equipment, but not much. It's really golf travel and resorts and where you need to go, what you need to do, and, and you know what should be on your golf travel bucket list. Which, fortunately for me, is you know my passion. So, <laughs> yeah, play some good courses. I'll just say that you you have a pretty good gig for as young as you are, and the places that you've been, and the things that you have seen, and the courses that you have played. You're pretty good. So, thank you. Thank you. Now, what what was your journey getting to the magazine? Like, this is a very specific, unique role that you have with Links Magazine. So, how did you go from what you were doing prior to Links? You said you've been with the publication for about three years. What was yeah. that? journey getting to links and then what was your connection to getting into the role that you're in today <laughs> i ironically i got to links by not really trying to get to links so this all goes back uh, really to my college days i went to um, college at the university of st andrews in scotland and i was playing a round of golf one day um, on the old course and got paired up with a guy from texas who um once I kind of told him what the life of a student is and what we can kind of get into that later, um, he was insistent that I start a website. You've got to start a blog. You really ought to share this with people. And I kind of smiled and nodded and said, yep, you know, maybe one day. And we swapped email addresses after the round. And for like weeks, he just continued to, to hound me and say, no, you really need to do this. You need to do it. So I did um, and realized that I really liked writing about golf courses. Um, then uh, the following summer, I worked in London for um, Golf Monthly magazine uh, on an internship. And that internship led to a summer internship the next summer at Golf Magazine in New York. Um, and then I decided, you know what, after I graduate, I don't want to work in golf writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I loved it. It was great. But um, I ended up working in the marketing department for the developers on Kiowa Island. So I, I still had kind of a tangential connection to golf. You know, I, I was able to play all the time and I was marketing uh, real estate at a big golf development golf island. Uh, but at the one year mark there, um, one of the guys you alluded to earlier, um, a writer named George Pepper, uh, shot me an email and said, hey, Graylin, um, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, hiring a new kind of younger editor and your name's been tossed around. Would you consider uh, coming in for an interview? And totally caught me off guard. And uh, I ended up driving down at the time. Um, uh, Links is based in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So I drove two hours down the coast to Hilton Head. Had my uh, had my interview and it went well and came on board as um, as kind of the the low man on the editorial totem pole. Um, so, you know, it's it was a in some ways the journey kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, as so many things happen in life, it was also a little bit random and not planned. And I, I think that's one reason that it's kind of worked well. So that name, I read his book 
and I read it after I had been to St. Andrews. And yes. so I had only spent it's my first visit to the old course. So it was it was a day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a second here to kinda I don't talk about this day very often. I'm gonna give a quick overview of my day. And you've been there, you obviously went to school there, so you you yes. have a little bit more of a of a personal experience of having been there. I was staying in Edinburgh and I my alarm went off at three thirty AM to catch the five <laughs> 5.30-ish train because yeah. I have a 7.50 a.m. tea time on the old course and I was playing with my very good friend Steve Malloy from Canada and his friend and his friend who's a member of the old course. Long story short, when I make that turn I get to the I get to the train I am psyched. Like, I am pumped. I'm watching the sun come up and yada, yada, yada. And I should, I should, write, a, I should write a book about that day. Like, that could be an interesting yeah. or at least a blog post. My God. And I turn that corner, we turn left, and I'm like, that's, that's it. That's the it's home of there. golf. And, yeah. and in a very respective way, it was not that impressive. It, yes. It's just, it's just <laughs> there. Yeah. It was the most unbelievable place I've ever been in my life as a golfer. Like, literal, mm. the home of golf. And it's just there. Like, the yeah. RNA, the first tee, and there's no range, and it's like, this is it. It was it's the <laughs> single best 18 holes of golf I've ever played and ever will play in my life. Frankly, because I parred one at birdie two and I was under par on the old course. I there went double, go. double, double after that. I don't want to talk about those three holes. But, you should have left at it too. <laughs> I'm, I'm one under. I'm out. I'm going yep. to the bar. I'm going to the I'm having a scotch. But like the experience was, and you've been there a thousand times, right? You get it. But the first time. Anybody that plays golf, I was speechless when I saw it. And there are so many moments of that day that I'll never forget. I was up at 3.30. I didn't get back to my hotel room until about 1.32 a.m. the next day, like a 23-hour <laughs> day. I was wide awake. I'm laying in bed, and I'm texting, and I'm tweeting people, and I'm like, it's, it, you can't explain it. Walking over the Swilkin Bridge, yep. and the experience was just, if you even understand golf, go to St. Andrews to see it to walk on those fairways and go on Sunday and you can walk the entire golf course, which is crazy exactly. to me. The golf course is closed <laughs> on Sunday. The amount of revenue they lose. Like I look at it from a, I, I work at a club in Naples and we're all about rounds yep. of revenue, right? And you're yep. going to close on Sunday for it to be a park. Are you, are yep. you kidding me? Like, no way. And, and, and on a Sunday, you know, you'll go down there and, People are throwing frisbee or you know playing catch, you know, on the first fairway. Um, I, one nice afternoon, I took a book down and you know read a book on the first green and fell asleep. Just took a nap on on the first green. That's unreal. You know, I mean, where else could you do that? And, but you are totally right. It, it's it can be initially underwhelming because it you you know you see a place like Pebble Beach or. Um, that are super dramatic where you have this moment where you round the corner and it's just a jaw dropping. Oh my gosh, I've never seen anything as visually stunning. And you don't have that at the old course. Instead, it's, it's overwhelming because of what's happened there. And, you know, then you can get into the, the quality of the course and the architecture and everything. But you, you kind of have this moment where even non-golfers you kind of stand there and look around and, and pause and just think, I don't know what it is, but this is a really special place. You can't really put your finger on it, but it just has that everybody's kind of 
little bit quieter, you know, a little bit more pensive and it, it's, it all adds up to something where, you know, you're standing on the first tee, one of the easiest shots, you know, should be one of the easiest shots in golf and your knees are knocking and you're thinking this is an 80 yard wide fairway. Um, and, you know, I, I can hit a five iron <laughs> into an 80 yard wide fairway yet. You're still thinking, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You know? And keep in mind, it was seven fifty in the morning, and I couldn't feel my fingers. It was like forty-five <laughs> degrees, so I had a little bit more to shake about, and not yeah. having hit that ball all day playing with rental gloves. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I hit the fairway, hit the green, I two putt apart. I'm good. Good. The rest, the rest is history. <laughs> now we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But so, social media is a big part of what you do at Links Magazine. What networks are you using, and how are you using? them to promote the content that you're posting on the magazine yeah so i I, i'm i'm actually really excited um social media was something i did for about two and a half years at links and we just brought on a new guy named ian kreitzer um he's been with us about five and a half months uh five months and he has taken over our social media and he's able to give it a lot more time and attention than me and um I, I'd say, frankly, he's much better at doing social media than I am. And it, we're, we're seeing a lot of growth. Um, so th- that's been exciting. But primarily, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, Google Plus. <coughs> Google what? Plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, we, do, we, we, we do have a Google Plus page. Um, but primarily, you know, most of the effort goes into those three. And um, we've seen the most growth in, in our Instagram and really the, the most engagement, I, I would say. Um, so they, that's been, uh, it's been exciting to see. And, you know, Lynx is known for uh, big, beautiful imagery and um, kind of presenting courses in a great light. And that's, um, that is one thing that translates well to in- Instagram, you know, the, the big, beautiful imagery, um, you know, one interesting thing that, that I particularly like, uh, you know, we usually, if, if we can't work with the property to get beautiful imagery that they've taken or had taken, we'll send a pro photographer to go shoot a course for us. Um, but we actually find, uh, you know, that authenticity across social media, as you know, well, that really is where we find the, the most engagement. So rather than putting up the big, beautiful photos that we run, um, you know, uh, in the magazine or in our digital products, uh, the, the stuff that I've taken with my iPhone, even though it's been a rainy day and it's a little bit gray and a little bit nasty. And yeah, that pro photographer waited five sunrises in a row for the perfect, you know, 30 seconds of light. Um, it actually works best for us to kind of have that man on the ground, authentic feel. So uh, we've really been focusing on that as well. So the magazine has an impressive distribution list, obviously, and you also have a big distribution list online. So how many magazines, print magazines are printed? And then what's the distribution look like for an online perspective? Are you tracking that? And kind of what's that look like? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're tracking everything. Um, our print uh, distribution is about 200,000. Um, so the, the print magazine goes out to 200, 
sorry, 200,000 people. That is uh, crazy big, by the way. If you didn't know that, that's bananas how big that is. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, they, uh, our owners, Jack and Nancy Purcell, have been doing it for a long, long time. And but we're fortunate to have a, a really loyal, uh, kind of dedicated uh, database. Um, I, I should say, I said 200,000. I'm trying to think now. Uh, I'm not on our sales staff, but 200,000 people, it's, we send out 200,000 issues. Um, so it's a little misleading to say 200,000 people, you know, they, some are going to golf clubs, you know, yeah, so, yeah. um, but then a online, uh, that has been kind of my area. Um, and I've been really, really excited to see the growth we've had in our website. Um, it's, it's something that at one point was more of a repository for what we did in print and in our digital magazine, where if something ran there, few months later, it'd go on the website and there wasn't a whole lot of curation or um, content creation that was specific for the website. And that's kind of been flipped on its head where we're thinking almost website first. Um, yeah, that doesn't apply to what we do for the magazine. Um, but creating a lot of content, we've got a set of three, um, if I include myself, I guess it'd be four, but uh, three really, really good writers um, who... Uh, are on contract and work with us. So uh, specific for the website that is. So yeah, it's been exciting. Um, we've seen big, big growth. Uh, I was looking, we've had our organic traffic coming to our site has grown like 125% in the last year. Now they, that that has been due to many things, including a big SEO overhaul we did. Um, but it's so rewarding when you can check the analytics and see, boy, you know, all the hours, all the work, it's paid off. It's it's working. <laughs> that's really cool. And that's an impressive number in terms of SEO. That's for, especially in today's market with, with social media and the way people search for content online. So that's that's cool that you've put that effort into it and that you've seen the results come from it. So good yeah. for you. So I met you in Naples on a fam trip. Now yep. Pretend that I'm not the one that's from the property that you visited. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about that trip, what you liked, what you didn't like. And then what, as a journalist, are you looking for when you go on a fam trip? What's that look like for you? Cool. Well, so if people don't know what a fam trip is, it's a, yep, it's basically a fam stands for familiarization. So um, in the case of, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just use my trip to, uh, to Tiburon. Um, a group of journalists are sent an invitation to come down and basically familiarize themselves with the property. Um, you know, Hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, as you know, and as you just alluded to, there's so much content, so much, it's like a fire hose of just stuff coming at people these days. And one way, and you know, if you were to look at my email inbox about the number of press releases I get and the number of people I have reaching out saying, hey, come here, look at this, um, it's hard to cut through that. And one way to do that is to actually encourage journalists to come to a property. So uh, Troon and Tiburon brought a group of journalists to uh, the property, and we stayed right there on site, saw the courses, um, the, the gold and black course. Um, enjoyed that amazing, you know, Rich Carlton experience, um, enjoyed the food and the wine and, uh, got a, 
a sense of what you guys are doing. Now, the timing worked really well with the uh, renovations or remasterings. I, I, I know that uh, that remastering is I the love term. it. Um, As the it, marketing guy, I appreciate that nod. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> that, that you guys did. It, that that was kind of the, the real reason to bring it in because there's a story to tell. Um, you know, I, I would say that I get, I don't know, uh, three, two to three invitations to go on fam trips probably a week throughout the year. Um, it, sometimes it's slower, sometimes it's faster. Um, you know, fewer or more. Um, so really, for me, there's got to be an interesting story there. But what's the angle? Because I'm not going to come down to Tiburon if it's just kind of a, hey, we exist sort of thing. You know, it, it, tell me why it's interesting. So, um, yeah, they, the the fam trip was really enjoyable. Absolutely loved it. My wife, Lucy, came down. Um, you know, I, I think you guys actually maybe even sat next to each other at dinner one night. We did. Um, yeah. Yep. So uh, it, it was a blast. You know, fam trips are um, kind of a useful tool, but also a um, kind of a, I, I don't know the word, can be a little bit of a dangerous tool. I, I have to be or I try to be really, really selective about those that I go on. So you've heard the number of invitations I get, you know, I go on like three to four a year. Um, they, there's gotta be something compelling, um, it, you know, and sometimes it's really compelling, but it just doesn't work with our editorial calendar. Um, so I was able to go down, see what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, the, I'm going to get this backwards, but, which is, um, <laughs> but if my, if my memory serves, you guys had just renovated the black course and oh. we're about, darn it. I knew I was going to get that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You are 50, 50. Like you heard, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. darn it. <laughs> just renovated the gold. Um, and we're about to do the black and, and that, um, my only feedback, uh, if there was any, was that created a little bit of a, timing thing where if I was going to write about Tiburon, um, you know, the, the angle, you know, well, this is about to happen, um, you know, and might've been better if both had been done, but that's if I'm trying to find something, you know, I'm glad that you bring that up because the gold course was remastered prior to Troon's arrival. So oh, WCI, which is now Lenar, has overseen the remastering of the gold course. Trun gets got there it. day one. Boom. Let's remaster the black course. Okay. So the entire black course remastering, which which reopened November of this past year, was 100% Trun. Well, what Trun did was take money from the black course remastering. Let's say we're pulling up 300 feet of turf on this this hole. We're going to take that turf, put it into the gold course. So there was a little bit of a, a back and forth between gold course, black course remastering. One of the things, and to your point about a fam trip coming back to Tiburon, I don't know if you remember, but in September of last year, we had a hurricane. Oh, um, I remember. Well, category yeah. 5 ripped, literally ripped through Tiburon. We had yes. about, a, about 145 mile an hour winds for about three hours. Um, yep. Pretty. I don't know if you've ever, anybody watching has been through that. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> I was I was with my good friend Brendan Stukesbury up in Macon, Georgia, playing golf the day the storm hit Naples. So I don't know what it sounded like, felt like, looked like. 
We lost about 1,700 trees, about 1,000 roof tiles. Our pub flooded, our banquet space flooded, our clubhouse flooded. Um, and we opened the Tuesday after the storm. We, we had a lot of damage to the golf course. and But we were able to look past that. And one of the things with the gold course, you'll remember the Dura Bunker, the bunker faces oh, yeah. on the greens, on the, or on the bunkers on the gold course, a lot of damage. And just, just in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten approval to redo those. Because of the storm, uh, we've got the funding approved, and we'll be getting new bunkers. So that being Good. said, I would love for you to come back, not as a fam trip necessarily, just spend a weekend yeah. down here. Come down and just yeah. see see what the gold course changes have been since you were here. Um, little things we've added, whether we've added palm trees to this green or we've added, you know, um, you know, high rough to this. One of the things that with the remastering of the black horse that Greg Norman approved was the utilization of rough. He doesn't do that in many places, any place, and he approved that on the black course. We may or may not have taken that as the assumption that he also approved it on the gold course. <laughs> and we've added some some rough in some places, whether it's on bunkers or you know leading from a fairway that you'd land in the fairway and go into the water. Added some some high right. rough in those places, and I just I I hope that you get the chance to come back soon to. To see both golf sure courses will, yeah. remastered under Troon's tutelage. So, yeah. So, topics. You talk about not doing a lot of equipment stuff, but what, do you, what what's your yeah. main focus of content at Lynx? Is it PGA Tour stuff? Is it player drama? Is it instructional? Like, what's what's kind of the focus? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, it's funny you mentioned those three because th those are three that um, we've kind of always felt. I say we, this dates back to far before my time. Uh, we felt others do really well. Um, and we don't do anything for instruction. We don't do tour news. Uh, we, we don't really do equipment. That We leave that to the golf magazines and, go and uh, golf weeks and global golf posts. I mean, the, the fact that I can name you know, six or seven doing <laughs> roughly the same things uh, shows, you know, we don't think there's space there for, for someone else. So, We've always focused from the beginning on courses, travel, uh, and real estate. Um, and real estate really doesn't make a it doesn't have a big preference in our um, in our normal issues. But we do a real estate guide once a year. They, that's kind of a, a another print supplement we do. I call it a supplement. It's its own publication with its own editor and own staff and everything. I mean, we all help with it. Um, so it's not really a supplement. <laughs> it's like a you know 180 page magazine, um, but courses, travel, and and architecture, which is perfect for me because you know, like I said, the, that's my passion, um, and you know, we think that that's that's an area that's uh, underserved by some of the bigger competitors. You know, guys who make two hundred thousand print circulation look you know tiny. Um, so we uh, we focus on what we do best, and we we don't really step outside of that uh, unless there there's a a really good opportunity to do so. So there are a lot of big names in the game of golf, whether it's from a writing perspective. You know, I've had some guys on the show that are some of them. I mean, like Gary Van Sickle was on the show not yeah. long ago, and that dude's a legend in golf yeah. writing. But then there's also golf course instructors today. As a matter of fact, literally today. I had Kelly and Blake Moran in my office. We were just talking about golf course design. I don't know if you know him, but cool. he's designed some of the best golf courses in the country. And it's fun, right? Like to have, have people like that in your corner. 
over the years, I mean, you've obviously you worked for for George and and you worked for some pretty big names and you've been in some pretty high places. Who are some yeah. of the the people in your life that have been mentors to you, both personally and professionally? Um, biggest mentor for me is uh, a guy that I would say is maybe one of the most uh, kind of underrated people. He's always he's. Uh, a guy named Jim Frank. Um, if you see his byline, it's James A. Frank. Uh, but Jim Frank, and he was um, George Pepper's number two guy at Golf Magazine for a long, long time when, when George was editor at Golf. And Jim is the glue that holds <laughs> you know, everything together. Um, and he has been a mentor to me and has... Uh, you know, I write and edit, um, and I'll I submit all of my writing pieces to Jim, who does a lot of our copy editing, and I've learned more from going back and forth with him, where where he will just absolutely destroy a piece of writing. You know, I'll be so proud of something, and the worst feeling for a writer is to get something back that doesn't have any edits. It just says, "Hey." you need to give this one another go, <laughs> you know, you, you want at least some edits. Um, and I've learned so much going back and forth with him, both about writing and editing. So I'd say he's, he's my number one mentor professionally in the golf world. Um, but there are other mentors, you know, in my personal life who've helped me make career decisions, my dad, um, and my mom, uh, I, I would call them parents and mentors. Um, but I, I think back to to some of the big life decisions I've made, and um, mom and dad are are always there. <laughs> so professionally, Jim for sure, um, and then you know some friends, a guy named Mark Hedberg uh, at, at my home club in Asheville, um, excellent amateur player, but he's always been there and always given me good advice too. But I, I think that. Um, Anybody, uh, whether they realize it or not, um, who's had kind of any, I wouldn't even say, I'm only 26, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm successful. God, uh, I'm so old. <laughs> anyone who's had any level of success, you know, can look back and, and say, even if it was just asking for a piece of advice, you know, I, I owe um, a lot of people for a lot. Heck, that, that, that guy on the old course who, who kept saying, hey, you need to do your blog. You need to do this. You need to start. And he didn't know me. You know, we, we had met each other for four and a half hours, yet he spent you know, weeks saying, hey, you know, do this. It'll be worth it. Do it. You'll love it. And, and you know, look where I am now. I still send him emails every once in a while like, hey, <laughs> like, I hope you know your suggestion kind of resulted in, in this. Uh, a voice for me. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, good for you. I'm I'm very jealous that you're 26, but also excited for your future that you're 26. Oh, thank I you. knew you were younger thank than you. me, but God, I knew you were like 20 years younger than me. Oh my God, I'm so old. Um, so before we jump to the back nine, um, the team at East Sleep Golf does a good job of sending in questions. And one of the things they asked, you have several events listed on your website. Talk a little bit more about those and the event side of your business. And I don't know if I even know what the event side of Links Magazine is all about. Yeah. So, you know, they, that's a side that um, it's one of those things that I'm not technically involved in, but because Lynx is so small, uh, I end up being very involved in. Um, 
So Lynx does a number of events throughout the year um, that are, uh, we call them subscriber events internally, but you know, they, a lot of people who attend aren't subscribers uh, and just kind of tangentially know the brand and someone recommended, hey, I'm going on this trip, I think you'd like it. Um, but one of you, uh, the events are um, a way for us to kind of expand an experiential part of the brand and, and get people to engage with links in ways other than just reading our issues. Um, and it, additionally, it's uh, it's turned out to be something, <laughs> it, it's, I, I laugh because with my kind of personal budget, if I have money to, to go play a, a golf course or go on a golf trip, I want to see as many different things as possible. And one of the things I kind of laugh about with these events, and I'll tell you kind of where we go, it is a lot of the same people every time. And they just love how we put on events and, and they, they just totally engage. So a big trip that just happened was one to, to St. Andrews. Um, 39 uh, subscribers uh, came over to St. Andrews, um, stayed just outside of town in the Fairmont Hotel, uh, but played everywhere. Hashtag play Troon. Sorry. Yep, there you go. <laughs> um, it is a true property, um, but uh, play you know had guaranteed old courses or uh, had a guaranteed old course tee time. Um, did the whole thing, played all of the really top notch courses. Started in the Highlands and played Royal Dornick and Castle Stewart and came down and um, all of them were just kind of blown away. And many of them gave this kind of hey, if you do this again, you know, make sure my name's top of the list. So that was an exciting one that just happened. Uh, coming up, we're going to have one at Casa de Campo down in the Dominican Republic. Awesome golf course. I, I've never been there, right? and I'm going to be going down this year. So um, all of them uh, are kind of tournaments, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, they're uh, gross and net division, so everyone competes and everyone has a good time, and it's not highly competitive. You know, there is a competitive aspect, but you know, you're kind of more looking forward to the drinks and hanging out with everybody than the, you know, darn it, Ricky, I can't believe you birdied 18 today. You ruined this event for me sort of thing. <laughs> um, so Costa de Campo. And then we're having uh, another event that is our Lynx 30th anniversary event at the Sea Pines Resort on Hilton Head Island. Um, so they, that's where you find Harbor Town. Um, so that'll be a tournament across Harbor Town and then two other courses right there uh, in Sea Pines. So it, it's a fun way for us to meet with a bunch of subscribers. I actually talk to them. And from an editorial point of view, you know, that's where we get some of our most interesting feedback where, you know, what did you guys like? What didn't you like? Um, or, you know, what's been the most valuable is, oh, you didn't even know we did X, Y, or Z? You know, okay, we need to fix that. Um so we learn a lot from the subscribers and just ha have a blast with them. So they, that's been a fun thing. I, and I, I personally can't wait to go down to uh, the, the Dominican Republic. I've never been down there. So really excited for that. You will have a blast. I will assure you that's a fantastic property. And good. Yeah. good, I'm, good. I'm kind of excited that like you've been to some pretty awesome properties, but I'm kind of, 
a little bit self-servingly excited that I've been to some places that you haven't. So I'm just saying, like, no, I, I, I mean, I'm sure and the fact that you're like 17 years younger than me, like that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help. Like the fact that you're such a young child, it's awesome. Um, so that that's your front nine. Like that was really cool. fun. Like learning about like the business side of what you're doing with Links Magazine. I'm yep. curious, and we can talk about this offline, but we have a lot of magazines that come into Tiburon. We have the Wall Street Journal. We have the Naples Daily News. We have, you know, Arnold Palmer's magazine, yada, yada, yada. Yep. I'd love to be able to see if there's a way that we can work out getting Links Magazine in the hands of our members oh, and our guests. I know um, there is. I yeah, we've, we've, got is. A, we've got about 400 golf members that are very, very into the golf. They'll play in the morning, and they'll have lunch in the pub, and they grab the magazines on the way in or out. We have two locker rooms for men and women, and I think there's an opportunity to, dis to discuss that. Definitely. And I, and the, quality and you talked about the, the the photographer being large wide scale yeah. photos and that's what i think i've liked the most about links is that it's not just no pun intended to golf digest golf magazine and every other golf publication it's not the crap it's not <laughs> pictures of tiger and golf like yeah but we, we did none of that yeah. yeah and you talk about the equipment like you don't do a lot of equipment and i quite frankly i don't want to see equipment reviews like if I want a new driver, I'll figure it out. Like I don't need to see somebody's random opinion that Callaway yeah. sent them a driver and they reviewed it. Right. I want to see right. the experience that you've had at John Doe property and you know, you've been to Isla. I haven't. So I want to talk about that. I want to learn what you did, what you saw, what you experienced, where you ate, where you drank, and to be able to maybe do those things. And that's what Lynx magazine kind of right. is to me. So yep. that's yep. that being said, I would love to see if we can figure out how to get Lynx magazine in the hands of our members and guests. Everyone, but definitely doable. Let's uh, let's jump to the back nine. Back nine is just fun, random golf questions. You're a golfer, and I've seen you play, so you're quite the stick. So um, I may or may not have been beaten by you, and uh, knowing that you're <laughs> 17 years younger than me, that makes I'm not 17, guys. I'm not that old. Like I'm not old, but I mean I've got gray hair. But calm down. So you ready for hey, your back I'm nine? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. You played a lot of golf courses over the years. What is the course that you've not played that sits atop of your golf course bucket list? Oh, um, an old course <laughs> isn't even fair. Like you've probably played yeah. that like thirty times or more. Oh, two hundred and thirty. Oh, <laughs> I've played it once and I'm good. Like for life, I'm good. Hey, so I, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna give you a UK and a and a US. So Royal County Down. Um, well, heck, that's, uh, well, yes. Okay. Royal County down. Um, and then in the U S, um, I would, I'd have to say Pebble beach. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I'll also, you know, phrase that I'm playing Pebble beach in three weeks. So I, I I'm excited that that one will be off the bucket list soon. Um, but yeah, I'd say Royal County down and, and Pebble beach. Okay, so my buddy Michael said, where do you want to play when you're in Ireland? And I said, I don't care. You tell me. He's like, or like Canada down or Royal Port Rush. And I'm like, you pick. Like, I couldn't. And so <laughs> I picked Royal Port Rush. So. Well, it, I, Royal Port Rush wasn't my bucket list item because I have played there. And, and it is special. You're going to absolutely love it. Um, particularly when you then watch the Open Championship there. So they, that's going to be really special. First yeah. time the Open has left uh, Scotland or England in, in, what, 55 years or something. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. 
So, what's your favorite golf movie? And if you say The Legend of Bagger Vance, I'm closing my laptop and this conversation is over. <laughs> you know what's ironic? They, the Legend of Bagger Vance was filmed in part at a course just down the road from me here. Shut up. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, at a Culleton River, uh, their die course. And when you go in the clubhouse, there, there are all these pictures. <laughs> that's that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. It, so... I've, I've got to say Caddyshack because my earliest memory, and, and they, I know that's cliche, but it is. It, you're like twelve, like I, I, I know, I know. But even before, um, you know, even before like Happy Gilmore, one of my earliest memories of watching a golf movie was Caddyshack, and I specifically remember it because the group I was with found it hilarious. And I was young enough to not understand any of the jokes, any of the innuendo, nothing. And, and I remember thinking, like, what is funny about this? Like, this, this is just kind of not that funny. And I must have been, I don't know, 11 or 12. So I didn't really understand golf course politics. And, you know, I, I understood uh, some of the jokes, but a lot of the innuendo and everything went totally over my head. And, of course, then over the years, it has you know, steadily grown into something I find hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, I'll allow that. So besides <laughs> Links Magazine, what other golf publications do you read? You know, I try to read just about everything, uh, but there are two others that really excite me right now. Um, one is the Golfer's Journal. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, talking about people doing different things, they're doing different stuff that, that's really, really cool. Um content that I would say takes kind of golf lifestyle to the extreme. You know, it, it's, it's about uh, Jimmy Walker, you know, and his passion for astronomy, um, yeah, that sort of thing. And then there's another based out of Australia called Caddy Magazine. And, and I, I really, really like that. And if you haven't seen that, I suggest you you check it out. It's another big form magazine, but absolutely beautiful. And um, one of the guys heading it up is a former, well, still is a photographer. So it, it is beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. I've never heard of that, and that's 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 fun because I yeah. like I, I read a lot of like the digital stuff, like. Global Golf Post, and yep. you know, you know, yep. anything that's digital, and you know, I I like to. This is dating me because I'm an old <laughs> man here next to you, you young pup. I like to download and print so I can write and take notes. Yeah, Boardroom Magazine is my favorite publication because I'm oh, in the cool. private club space, right? And I love two things about Boardroom: one, the quality of the content because it's so diverse, but 99% of the articles, they will put the the author's contact information. There's oh, nothing cool. cooler to me as a reader in the private club space to read an article that I can relate to, that I have questions about, that I want to praise their content, to email yeah. that artist or that, that author and say, hey, I read your article in boardroom, yada, yada, yada. And That's really nine, cool. Nine times out of ten. And I, and I, I don't email every author. And, and I, it's just the articles that mean something to me in my current capacity. Nine yeah. times out of ten, they'll be like, wow, thank you so much. Nobody's ever emailed me about an article. <laughs> and I, I look at that, and I'm thinking, if I wrote an article, I would want people to email me, like, to yeah. ask me questions oh, I, and I to want, provide that. Yeah. 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 So be honest. How far do you hit your driver? Oh, um, two. I've seen you play, so don't lie. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, 
you know, realistically 285. Now I, I'll say that's 285 here in the States. Um, on that last, I, I was over in the UK for two weeks, uh, like two weeks ago. I've never seen the courses as dry and firm and fast as they were. And I was carrying 250 and it was probably running a hundred yards. So I, I'm, I'm scrapping everything I just said. I hit the ball about 350 yards. <laughs> so to that very point, so when I played the old course, there was a par three. It was on a front nine. It was like 143 yards. I hit six iron, and I was a club and a half short. There yeah. was a par four yeah. on the back nine. It was my longest drive of the day. I was in a greenside bunker. It was a 403, 408-yard par four. Yeah. I was in a greenside <laughs> bunker. Everyone watching at home, I made par. Shut up. It was a hard <laughs> up and down. <laughs> what golf ball are you currently playing? Ooh, uh, Bridgestone. Yeah. See, that's the second week in a row. Somebody said Bridgestone. Really? So I, I like the Bridgestone balls a lot. Um, I, I find that the performance is great and they don't destroy my budget. Um, so I used to be a Pro V1 guy. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the Pro V1 is an excellent ball. Uh, but uh, Bridgestone has been kind of easing its, its way into my bag more and more. Okay, I think that. Yeah. Now, I, I, I asked this question before I saw the fact you have 74 scorecards above your shoulder. Um, some oh, people save yeah. scorecards, some people save <laughs> pencils, you know, golf balls, whatever. Do you save yeah. something from every course that you play? And then let's talk about a couple of the scorecards you have above your shoulder right there. Yeah, and I'll show you there. There's a lot in there, um, but so I, I save scorecards, and I've ended up getting enough now that I end up losing a bunch of them. Um, but what I really collect from every course is photography and photos, and I take my camera out on nearly every round and try and take as many photos as I can while still staying, you know, very engaged in what I'm doing. Um, and I have, you know, a couple external hard drives backed up that have, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, probably um, somewhere around 75 or 80 courses that, that I've taken pictures of. Some Sometimes it was 15, sometimes it was like 350 photos. Um, and so it's really photos that, that, that I save because... For me, that's that's the ultimate way of reliving around. Others can kind of look back at the scorecard and immediately recount. Now I remember that birdie, you know, and know exactly what they did. But yeah, it's the photos for me, and, really cool. and it's cheap. You know, it's not like buying a shirt. <laughs> but if I bought a shirt everywhere I went, I that's, that's eighty-five bucks every club you play. Like I can't afford that. Like, I I'll take the scorecard. It was free when I checked into the golf shop. Exactly. Now. A few weeks ago, Phil Mickelson made some noise at the U.S. Open. Um, yes. Everyone yes. knows what he did. We've all seen the video. Yes. What are your thoughts on what he did before I even remotely tell you my thoughts? What do you, what do you yeah. think? I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I go back and forth. Um, I personally think that he full well knew what he was doing, and I think that what he said after the round – that it was a calculated decision is true. And, and I've had arguments with people both in our office and out um, where they said, oh, no, that, that was kind of his way of trying to minimize the whole thing. He was just angry and did it, you know, in a moment of, in, you know, a moment of just he lost his mind. I, I'm not so sure. I, you know, you're a serious player. You've played in, you know, events and tournaments. 
I, I've played in some events and tournaments and you, you know, like when you're switched on and it's time to grind and it's tournament time, you, you full well know what's going on. You don't really have these moments where you blank out and just go like swat your ball across the green. Um, now, now given I've never been two and a half days deep into, you know, just a brain frying event like a U.S. Open. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. It was not. I don't think it was a great thing for him to do. I, I didn't really like it. Um, do I think that that will shape Mickelson's career? No. You know, I, I think he'll be remembered for uh, his achievements, not you know this one bad thing he did Saturday afternoon at the U.S. Open. So to that point, so you talk about his thinking that he knew what he was doing when he did it, and I, th- I think that he either knew what he was doing, or he was, he was so stupid he didn't, and then got <laughs> away with it. But he, in his post round interview, said that, oh, I've thought about doing that at Augusta, and I knew what I was doing, yada, yada, yada. Well, Andrew Johnson, Beef Johnson, said yeah. that after they walk out the hole, it feels like, I have no idea what I just did. I have no idea what the penalty is. Like he, he was clueless on the golf course, yeah. but yet after his round, he knew exactly what he was he doing. I, I wonder, and, and he went on this like apology tour. Like, yeah. who are you apologizing to? Like, if you broke the rule, whether you hit it out of bounds and you re or you take the penalty and you, you suffered the penalty, you made a yeah. pin on the hole. Yeah, like suck it up. You did what you did and you suffered the penalty. Like, why are we still talking about it? Kind of, yeah, and yeah, you know. If Tiger did that, or if you know, if Pat Perez did that on the total opposite side of the spectrum, Pat Perez does that. That's what he does. That's who he is. Let's DQ him. Tiger does that, yeah. and the internet the internet breaks when Tiger sneezes. Like, yeah, come on. when Tiger tries out a new putter, right? As he did, you know, what a couple weeks ago. Oh my yeah. god! Like a yeah. mallet. Like it's not a mallet, but like it's a it's like a baby mallet. Like everybody's yeah. like, oh, you need a mallet. That, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of that putter. Like that looks like that's been in his bag for twelve years. Like that putter yeah. is beaten it did not look like it came out of the plastic. Yeah, at all. <laughs> like that's not a new thing. Like he's obviously been putting with that, or he grabbed it from. You know the van in the parking lot. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I, I just, I, the Phil thing is interesting to me because of the way that people took that and oh, he should DQ himself. Well, he wasn't disqualified. He should not withdraw because he didn't do anything. He did something wrong. He suffered the consequence, which is the two-stroke penalty. And and I look at it on the opposite side. If that ball rolls down the hill, that's going into the bunker. Okay. Well, that goes yeah. into the bunker. He takes an unplayable. Again, under the rules of golf, he drops, he gets up and down, he makes less than an ten. Yeah, like, he did what he did and made more of what he could have done had he let the ball. Like, and he and I, I honestly think that it was it was a concentrated thing because he saw it rolling. He walked around the left side of the cup. He saw it rolling, and he's like, "That's going in the bunker." I'm, and then he ran. Yeah, he, ran it, it, he went after it. it. It wasn't like the auto rake, you know, where you miss a two-inch putt and you just rake it back, and you're like, boy, that happened fast. No, he paused. He saw it going past hole. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to go into it, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's just, I think he knew what he was doing. But. We should have an entire episode, like, like 10 guys <laughs> in this, and just like, buckle it still the U.S. Open, just discover Maybe we can get Bones to come in and, and be like the – because he's no longer his caddy, so Bones can come in like yep. with an outsider view. <laughs> Break it down. So uh, you, you've known me for a long time. You know that I'm Tiger's biggest fan. Uh, be, be real careful how you answer this. Um, he's, he's watching <laughs> okay. you. Um, I know. I know. I see him. 
Do you think he breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? Um, I don't think he will. That's uh, it. We're done. <laughs> Ricky, it's been great talking to you. Um, <laughs> uh, I I don't. I I would. Let me say this. I would absolutely love for him to. Um, I think it would be the greatest storyline ever. And we don't write about tour news, and I'm sure Lynx Magazine would write about that. Um, so I, I'm just not convinced he will, but I want more than anything to be proven wrong. Um, and the reason I say that is he, he lacks that same dominance that he had. And seeing the quality of play right now, um, on tour, uh, you know, recently, um, not recently this was actually a little while back, but the, the tour event at quail hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was there for a couple days, followed tiger for a day and then kind of followed the rest of the field. And the way that the rest of the field plays, he would have to play some of the best golf he's ever played over the course of four more majors to win. Four majors would be, uh, you know, a standout career for someone else. And I'm just not convinced we'll see it. But boy, do I want to. You know, I, I think that would be as exciting as it gets. I don't like your answer, <laughs> but I'm going to allow it because you have that sliver of hope that he does. So no, I'm gonna, totally, totally. I'm going to allow that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. So, first off, thank you for coming on the show. This has been awesome. One, it's been awesome to catch up and, and yeah. to chat about what uh, what you've had going on. We talked for half an hour before we went live, but it's fun yep. to, to one know that you've been to Isla. So you're gonna have to give me a little more insight into that offline. But um, definitely, your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play is: What's next for Lynx Magazine? Well, you know, um, it's funny you ask that on this day uh, because I've, I've actually been working a lot on our next project and it's fitting that, that I discuss this on kind of a video podcast sort of setting, uh, but a podcast is, is going to be next. Um, Yay, that's awesome. Yeah. So they, that's going to be really exciting. It's been um, a couple weeks of planning and thinking and discussions and it'll still be a while uh, until anyone actually hears the links magazine podcast, but um, all the equipment's there, and we actually recorded our first kind of test episode to circulate internally today. Um, and I'm sure we'll end up, you know, changing things and going through a whole kind of discussion process. But uh, that that will be the next big thing on my plate, and, and a lot of work because I'll end up uh, doing the editing. And I've already got, uh, you know, got myself knee deep in messing up the editing process. So tomorrow will be me getting, uh, extricating myself from, you know, the quicksand. But uh, I'm really excited about that. It, literally, what's next for me uh, is that trip to California coming up. So I'm going to go out, and it's going to be a, um, an article about uh, some of the great public golf on offer but very kind of lifestyle focused. If you were to land in San Francisco, play a few rounds in San Francisco, at, and I'm talking courses from TPC Harding Park to a course called Sharp Park, which is $45 just outside of the city, an Alistair McKenzie design. Um, you know, same Never guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, so, hey, read, read my article. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so... A course like that that could desperately use some love, but it is a, a fun, cool municipal design. Um, 
and then road tripping down Highway 1 all the way down to Carmel and the Monterey Peninsula and playing everywhere down there from Pebble, Spyglass, uh, Spanish Bay to Pacific Grove, uh, a course that a lot of people do. It's like 65 bucks, great ocean views right there on the Monterey Peninsula uh, that totally lives under the uh, under the shadow of its older brother. So I am really looking forward to that. Um, and, you know, a lots more trips to come, but that that's the one that's in a few weeks. And, and I'm uh, very, very excited. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, some of those courses that I've never heard of sound incredible. So I might, I need to have like two bucket lists. I have the bucket list and the golf course bucket list because you just named yes. a couple that I want to add to that. I mean, Pebble, yeah, whatever. But like yeah. the other places that you've named. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's been awesome getting to get, one, like I said, caught up, but two, to be able to learn more about Lynx Magazine. And, and if the opportunity ever presents itself, you and I both have talked about this offline about having George on the show. If, if that ever happens, I would love to have him be kind of like a like a featured guest on the show because he's got one from the book that he wrote and, and the ability to just learn more about him and his role at Lynx Magazine and obviously what he's done in the world of golf. And just to be able to catch up with you and, and the courses that you've played, the history that you've got and, and you know, having lived and went to school in St. Andrews and having played the old course, you shut up more than once. <laughs> and the fact that you're 27 years younger than me. Um, <laughs> I'm not you're getting old. older. No, I mean, every, You're getting older. Every question, I've gained like seven years. Like I'm, I'm a grandpa right now. Like, my God. But this has been an awesome interview. I've had so much fun catching up with you. And, and I hope that you get back to Naples real soon. And like I said before, I this so episode will be on iTunes and Google Play as a podcast. It'll be on YouTube. If you have not subscribed to YouTube, make sure you click the subscribe button down below. All the links that we talked about, all the different magazines, publications, all the stuff that we've discussed will be down below in the description. And as always on the hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and what an awesome opportunity to have Grand Loomis on the show tonight. But as always on the hashtag Wednesday Match Play is you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf.